Oh, Captain, my Captain. Alan? <laughs> oh, Captain, my Captain. Calvin? Uh, oh, Captain, my Captain? What is this? There we go. Oh, right. Oh, right. Okay. What's that? <laughs> It's a poem, isn't it? Oh. What is it, Alan? You you know about stuff. Is it a poem? <laughs> well, it's from Dead Poets Society. That's what I know it from. But that, that that's where they it. chant it and stand yeah, up on yeah. the chairs. Oh, I haven't seen it. Neither have I. We're not doing Dead Poet Society this week, oh, are we? You? <laughs> no, we're doing one of the finest trilogies ever made, Captain America. Does it count as a trilogy? <laughs> um, uh, kind. That's that's the part of the sentence you're questioning. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I thought I'd fire some shots at the start just to kick this one off. Does Alan it, not know, like lively. these films? Well, I mean, uh, my, out, my, we? My, oh, okay. we, we talk about how we come to these films normally, and I'll yeah. say Alan first saw Captain America the first Avenger, or at least the first 20 minutes, when I was uh, re-watching all of the Phase 1 Marvel movies, like, one a night in the lead-up to the Avengers coming out, and we were living together at the time. And he sort of stood there lingering for a while at the start, and I remember it being the scene where... He was stood watching the film. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if he was making dinner or something. Oh, right, dinner okay. of like lemon curd on a tortilla or whatever <laughs> food he the sort of food he makes for dinner. But it was a scene where Captain America tells the bully in the cinema to shut up and then he's in the alleyway getting beaten up, but he keeps getting up and then he holds up a bin lid and Alan said something to the effect of Oh, it's it's p- painfully transparent and just walked off. <laughs> And then I made fun of him for saying it a few weeks later and he got he got really angry and he went he went, Why are you why are you so intimidated by me? (laughs) Oh dear. Was this was this towards the end of your time living together by any chance? Probably closer to the start. It, it might be why you why you intimidated by my opinions or something like that. <laughs> yeah, that sounds very, like very well, personally. That, that sounds <laughs> no. like something I would say. Yeah, but um, I don't know about this being angry bit. I don't really get angry at things, especially not you. So I don't take anything you say seriously. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I mean, I I must admit, I uh, I didn't like Captain America, and I rewatched it. <laughs> you only watched the first twenty minutes. You couldn't stomach anymore. <laughs> Well, I've definitely, I've definitely seen it before, so I obviously watched it. Oh, no, you know what? You came back in, because I remember saying how cool it was that they shot some of it in Manchester in the Northern Quarter, and and you I remember you were in a bad mood, I think, because you, you <laughs> said something to the effect of, yeah, because it looked shitty and run down like the 40s and walked off again. It <laughs> <laughs> oh, sound like I was in a bad mood. Um, I mean, I don't. It's great that you remember things because I have no memory of this whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember anything, so uh, I'll have to take your word for it. But yeah, I obviously watched it at some point because I recognised it. I mean, yeah, I remembered it. Huh. I I'm not remotely surprised that you don't like it on the rewatch, and I'm not expecting you to like any of them. Um, it, that doesn't surprise me at all. 
I think I'm very much going to be a counter to you uh, throughout this episode with Calvin falling somewhere in the middle. I'm not really sure where to expect to see Calvin. Obviously, I, I was following the Marvel Cinematic Universe from Iron Man and really into the whole thing. And I knew of Captain America. I, I think I'd seen him pop up in an episode of a Spider-Man cartoon when I was younger or something. Mm. I, I vaguely knew of him, but it always seemed a bit sort of like, you know, America! And I wasn't particularly interested mm. and I wasn't mm. bothered. But but I remember when this film went into production being really interested at the, the prospect of a superhero movie that was also a, a World War II period piece. Mm. Mm. And... I remember when it came out, there was a sense of, oh, Marvel's made a bit of a misstep and this isn't their best film. So I went into it with quite low expectations, the first Captain America, but I I came away absolutely loving it. It's it just, I mean, I'll get into it in more detail. And that, that's that been similar to how I found the whole trilogy, really. I, I, I If you take the Avengers off the table, I think that Captain America, despite the character himself not being particularly interesting might well be my favourite uh, Marvel sort of sub-franchise, just in hmm. terms of how much I've actually enjoyed the films, how interesting I find them, hmm. and the directions that they take them in. But yeah, Calvin, I'm, I'm intrigued to know where you're going to fall in between us here, because I, I think you'll be something of a mediator, I, I expect. Uh, I mean, for the first one, I remember, I, this is only the second time I've seen it, so at first when it came out at the cinema, and this was still in a time when they were sort of like building up to the Avengers, and these were more mm. or less self-contained films. This one probably less so than um, some of the others, considering that it was leading right into the mm. Avengers. Um, but this first one, I remember coming out of it sort of lukewarm the first time, but on the rewatch, I really uh, was getting into it. The whole World War Two setting, and mm. I, I, I guess mm. it's similar. Like we talked about similar things with Wonder Woman, where it's just mm. fun and novel to see these superhero antics going on in a different yeah. time period. And I, I thought it had a really good sense of humor to it. That's cool. I mean, that's pretty much how I I feel about it. I just think it's such a load of great pulpy fun. This first film, and yeah, it, it it's got a kind of iffy opening where some people have found something frozen in the ice, a bit like the thing, and and, and that opening feels so Phase One Marvel to me. Like yes. they're kind of hedging their bets. They're not entirely sure people are going to be able to go with what they're doing. But then we meet our villain. I found it very interesting that they set up the villain first. And I and when I was watching it the other day, I was thinking it was because, oh, they've already set Captain America up in a different film or something like that. But they hadn't, had they? It was, no. This was no. straight up. Mm. Other um, than the odd sort of mention in a newspaper in the background and things like that, they, yeah, they hadn't. So mm. I thought that was interesting, to set up the villain first. I, I guess it's because there's a, a creation and an origin they have to get through with the hero, whereas they don't bother dwelling on the origin of the villain here. They just jump into him being an active thing, hmm. and they sort of hint at how he came into being. Yeah, and you get the origin story through the hero, because they're the same sort of yeah. thing, ultimately, aren't they? So Yeah, and it's so Marvel are, are infamous for not being great with villains and not having particularly memorable villains, but I... I quite like Red Skull. Oh, yeah. I think Hugo Weaving is great fun in this role. Is, I thought, do you guys um, think I he's thought doing Werner Herzog, Herzog was, was yeah. very good in this role? <laughs> <laughs> I, I was going to say, is that a Werner Herzog impression? It's, it, it's an implacable Werner Herzog impression. It's got to be. It's, hasn't it's got it? to be yeah. deliberate, yeah. 
Yeah. He's great. He's having uh, so much fun. Like going again, going into I I didn't remember him as fondly as perhaps other villains, but he's just mm. so good. My favorite shot in the whole thing is much later on and it's during a montage when I think Hugo Weaving and I, Toby Jones might be in the car as well, and they just drive up to see Captain America has foiled one of their plans and he does a and like <laughs> shakes his fist and <laughs> But this this is point number one that's on my list of things I absolutely love. Um, is just a sea of campy German accents yeah. or a load of uh, <laughs> quite <German> highly <laughs> highly trained, like respectable actors. I heard that Stanley um, Tucci's excuse for doing the film at all was that he just wanted to do a German accent, <laughs> and that was it. I, like, no other. I love Stanley Tucci in this film, yeah. even though he's barely in it and his role doesn't amount to much. It, I really like him in it. It might it, it might even be my favourite Stanley Tucci role. <laughs> honestly, mm. I can't. To be fair, I can't think of many Stanley. Tucci roles. He's very much someone that just pops up in films, and I go, "Oh, it's Stanley Tucci." Mm. But I think he's he brings a genuine warmth and heart to this film mm. in his performance. He does a lot with mm. very little, I think. Um, yeah. And and Toby Jones, of course, is Swiss, mm. as we learn yes. in the second one. So he's that, did, that expl- sort of explains, that explains his accent. ropey accent because <laughs> <laughs> I did I did find his accent particularly questionable on the rewatch. But uh, anyway, can, um, uh, can we talk about Steve Rogers? Yes. Yes. Uh, I mean, little Steve. <laughs> no, not that one. That's Steve. Uh, little Steve before he becomes Captain America. Mm. Weedy Steve. Because I think he's a bit of a knob. Oh. Um, and I think we're supposed to like him, and that kind of didn't work for me and didn't sort of settle the whole thing up badly. Hmm. He's, he's wasting taxpayer money on doing this test over and over again. And they keep telling him he's going to die, and he won't listen to reason. Ooh. They're trying to save his life. <laughs> He's got well, no uh, respect for the sanctity of human life. No, I think he does. It's just misplaced. But I, I think he, he's just a total sap, and he falls for every piece of propaganda he sees. Yeah. And he's just, he's completely sold on this, oh, we've got to go to war, I've got to volunteer kind of thing. And when someone suggests to him, like, well, you know, you're not really built to be a soldier. You're going to be a burden to anyone that you're with. Um, it's obviously a bad idea. He won't accept that. When they say, like, oh, there's plenty of other things you can do to help the war effort, blah, blah, blah. And he's not happy with that either, which belittles the efforts of people who aren't... If you're not going out on the front line and risking your life, therefore you're not a hero. You're not helping the the war effort. I don't know if it paints it that black and white. I mean, certainly I think it is from his perspective, and I think of that as a character flaw more than anything else, that he yeah. feels like he has to be fighting and killing Nazis. Yeah, I mean, I'm saying his character is flawed. I don't like the character. The film doesn't shy away from it being a flaw. It shows him getting into all sorts of trouble and having to be saved by people. At the same time, I do think the film wants you to see that flaw as a positive character trait. The fact that Mm. his spirit is so willing to fight till the end, even though it's a a losing battle and that sort of thing. Mm. But I I don't mind him. I I think he's alright. On that note, though, I, I absolutely love the special effects employed in the film hmm. to turn him from a little weedy man to a uh, muscly superhero. I, I think that whole Benjamin Button face on a different body thing hmm. is done it, remarkably it is. well. It seems for to the, is it the is time. it just like they got a little fella and then shoved Chris Evans' face on him? Yeah. Pretty much, that, yeah. That's how they did it. Yeah, it, it, yeah. Works. It, it, it works really well. Uh, I think the one thing that always bugged me and still does is that his voice is very deep for such a small man. 
Um, so another another thing to tick off that I liked uh, was Howard Stark's inclusion because this was still early days Marvel that felt like a nice sort of nod to Iron Man without being too overt. Mm, yeah, I guess you're right, yeah. Nowadays that wouldn't be that interesting at all, but back then it felt very like, oh, they're, they're tying that in quite nicely there and mm-hmm. it, it works with the whole story and then it means that we get flying cars and things, which I also really enjoy. Like I say, that sort mm. of steampunk is, is, is it steampunk? It's not quite, is it? It's uh, Neo Noir? No, 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 it's, no. It's, it's like it's it's like 1950s sci-fi. Yeah, retro yeah. retro futurism. Yeah, I'm gonna call it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I I really like retro futurism, which is let's a, start. A that. I, I like that. Let's coin this as a new term. <laughs> <laughs> you know, retro futurism. It's a big part of uh, like Futurama and stuff like that. You see it in influencing yeah. a lot of. Uh, cool things and it's it's on full display in this film hmm. Hmm. just to talk about um his friend bucky for a while oh yes oh now i see bucky is the weak link of this this franchise for me i found him extremely bland and the fact that he became he becomes something much bigger mm. later on i watched the second film two days after the first one and i didn't know it was the same person put it that way <laughs> um so not memorable at all the performance isn't memorable. The character just is is never given anything to work with. That's not the actor's fault. But there's just nothing there. I, I completely agree. I don't feel like they do an adequate job of setting his relationship up with Steve to mean as much Steve. as it does later on. And <laughs> obviously we see them hanging out and we see him, you know, coming to his defense and stuff. But it's something about it just doesn't play properly for me. Mm. When he died, when Bucky dies... I, I did think at that point, that's an unusual way to, to kill the friend, like rather than like holding him in his arms yeah. and all that, like it's just seeing him fall from the thing. And I thought, I wonder if he'll come back or something like that. And I was just like, <laughs> no, no, I wasn't. And then it kind of, as the film went on, it was like, yeah, it was just to motivate him and make him question what he's doing mm. and all that. Mm. So mm. I was like, okay, that's fine. So I'd sort of let it go. <laughs> this well, whole I, I don't know thing. if they, I don't know to what extent they were planning to bring him back necessarily because i feel like it's if you're gonna bring him back and he's got a robot arm i feel like there's better ways to kill him that would set well, I, that up than i presume that the winter soldier character is from the comics and it is bucky and so yeah. they just sort of let's have him die in a nebulous way so that if we can if we want to bring him back later we can and if we don't have to we don't have to I think it was very much a, if we want to do that, we will, and then they did. Mm. I, personally, I, I feel like it, it would work better if that had been Peggy uh, mm. Peggy Carter in that role, and she could be the a bigger part of the sequels. Because I've always found her a really annoying loose end. I, I really mm. like Hayley Atwell in this film. I think she gives a great performance. Then they kind of just don't really know what to do with her after this film because obviously mm. she becomes a, a really old woman and there's some nice little moments with her in subsequent Marvel films and she obviously got her own little spin-off TV series that was short-lived but I'd buy the dynamic meaning more uh, between Captain America and her than no, I would. No, I like. I preferred that it's with it, that his kind of. All this emotional outpouring is for his best friend of however many years, rather than this girl he just met, who then becomes like obsessed with for seventy years. 
in the in a Wonder Woman kind of way, which just didn't doesn't play at all. And it's like no, but he wouldn't be obsessed with her for seventy years in his own chronology. He got frozen, and it's like he's been obsessed with her for a week. Yeah, even that, like they're doing that matter of life and death ending, and it's like. For God's sake, like you met about two weeks ago, and it's all been very professional and us stiff upper lip, so like mm. nothing's happened. It's just yeah. like it just felt very shoehorned in this romantic entanglement, just like, oh yeah, let's put well, that I, in. I agree, and I, I, I'll get into this in the further the later films, but I think the the romantic subplots are an element that really lets these films down. I'm not a fan of them. I think the first mm. one has the best romance because there's at least some. Yes characterization uh, and chemistry between the the two we're meant to be rooting for. And I, like I say, I actually like Agent Carter as a character. I, I think she's a good character. I mean, what the hell is she doing there? Did I miss something to explain why a, a 23-year-old British I was gonna woman say, is it, in the it, American it, military? She's crowbarred in <laughs> transparently so that he can have a romantic interest, but uh, yeah. Yeah. It's quite jarring that they feel like they need to even address her in the future ones at all. Like, I, yeah. I, it would have been easier just to be like, oh, have been like ninety five as well. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't hold because she, yeah. she's aged. She's aged up to look like seventy two, and she's like, <laughs> I mean, she looks quite good for her age there. <laughs> <laughs> I think they had to address her in some form or another, but um, have a die. We'll... Just uh, you know, yeah, yeah she, she died in the died in the 80s late nineties or, or something. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. It's... No, but you'd still you'd still have to address that she died. Oh yeah, yeah. But that would have been better than having getting the actress back, putting her in makeup, and I don't know. I I, I like that scene in the second one. That was a cut scene from the Avengers, by the way. They shot that for the Avengers. Oh. Decided it didn't fit. <laughs> it was, there was too much going on, and then they just thought, "I oh, will throw it in this one." Oh, that's interesting. Mm. Hmm. There's a really good cast in this film. Well, I, I think we just established that all three of the heroes are. Bland, and uh, neither me nor Alan can remember. All right, them all, from film to film. all the little roles dotted around around them. Yes, are, uh, yeah. are really great, and yeah, I, yeah. I like. I'm, I'm. I don't know. When I watch it, I always feel like I can't imagine Tommy Lee Jones as happy about being in this film. But then I remember that he made Men in Black and Batman and stuff, and it's yeah. like, oh, I guess he knows what he's doing. <laughs> well, why? What was this film's all flag waving? God bless America. I always struggle to imagine old people kind of knowing what they're doing when they're in a horror film or a comedy or something a bit silly, don't you? And it's I shouldn't do because they made they made horror films in the old days too. I think but. times have changed. I think we're beyond B. Arthur agreeing to do the Star Wars holiday special uh, just because yeah. it was a do you mean, quick. Burp. Do you mean like when there's a, a granny rapping in an Adam Sandler comedy? You, you don't think she knows what she's doing? <laughs> <laughs> she she doesn't realize why it's funny. No, I know, I know, but it's like when Victor Meldrew talks about Evil Dead and stuff in One Foot, uh, One Foot in the Great. Yeah, he he references a lot of nineteen eighties horror movies, and I've always found that a bit jarring. Like, I'm not not entirely that, sure Victor Meldrew would know, like, but the writer Evil is Dead twenty years younger and, than Victor Meldrew. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. I really like scenes where a character is given a test in a training situation. 
And then they do a bit of lateral thinking and sort of break the test, but it proves their worth. Oh, the flagpole thing. Yeah, yeah the flagpole is the, the one in this film. He lowers the flag instead of trying to climb up it like everyone else was to get the flag. Hmm. That's a, that is a nice little scene. It makes the point very quickly and, and, and uh, quite comedically that, okay, he's different to the others. He's not just a brainless yeah. soldier, which is what Stanley Tucci is looking for. Even though I really like that strong. concept, actually. I, I, I really like the idea that he's chosen because he is someone who understands the... appreciates the strength that he's given. Yeah, yeah. And, the, and, and they give it to Stanley Tucci to kind of present that idea. It mm. does it... So it makes it personal like through him who's leading this experiment rather than the military because the military wouldn't have that yeah. uh, mindset and indeed they don't uh, yeah that bit works really nicely actually I like yeah i agree i mm. like that hmm. i don't know if he knows what he's getting himself into it's not <laughs> don't know how well it's explained but he goes oh one thing i did like about this where they they go into a antique shop <laughs> to, turns out to be a front uh, for a kind of, they go down the back way and it's this whole laboratory there. But hmm. I like the idea of uh, the bloke who lives across the road going, honey, I've seen about 40 uh, uniformed men go into the antique shop this morning. <laughs> a bit odd, Calvin, I, I always think of you when that old woman grabs the gun from behind the counter. And... <laughs> Why? I don't know. It's Is just, it because it's, it's just... akin to that bit in Goldfinger where the old lady comes know, out with maybe. a machine gun and starts shooting at Sean Connery? Because I do really like old people packing heat. Yeah, it just seems like <laughs> something you'd enjoy. Yeah, no, I enjoyed that. Yeah, enjoyed it a lot. Is it, that's like when Roger Moore has a gun in uh, one of the later Bond films. <laughs> oh, oh, be kind. He's dead. Oh god! <laughs> I I really enjoy that sequence. Actually, immediately after he's been turned into the super version of Captain America and beefed up with steroids and what have you, mm. uh, super steroids, and then he he goes chasing a Hydra agent who uh, infiltrated the whole thing. I think there's some absolutely great humor to that whole sequence there's the bit where he runs so fast that he can't even turn the corner and just sort of runs into a window <laughs> and smashes it uh there's the bit where the the german agent um throws the child into the water and then he <laughs> ter- like looks over and the kid's like yeah i can swim i'm like not an idiot and <laughs> so he can just carry on chasing him mm. I really like the way they give him the name Captain America in this film. Like they do get around the stupidity of it quite well, I think, by having him be like a propaganda. Uh, yeah, uh, and that, that's another thing I absolutely love this film for because inherently mm. Captain America, he, he literally was a piece of propaganda from mm. the war. Mm. They mm. they literally started this comic book in the forties, and issue number one is him punching Hitler which they <laughs> recreate the image of in that um, show that he goes around doing with a sort of Kevin Elden-esque yeah, yeah, yeah. Hitler. <laughs> yeah, I noticed that as well. <laughs> <laughs> with a, uh, a, a song by Alan Menken, Alan Menken, no less. Yeah, yeah, I loved that. that my I know, that's, that's another tick on my list. I really liked that bit as well. I thought it. I thought it was a much more realistic thing that was would have happened. So <laughs> yeah, well, I, I love it. That's the thing. It's 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 this kind of satirical bent to the film that I wasn't expecting. That they make hmm. this man, and then he's just used as propaganda instead of being put to like any sort of more useful purpose. And like you say, it's it's actually quite realistic that they might do that with him. And hmm. I like that. You know that that's ultimately what sort of motivates him to go and get stuck in properly. Mm. Uh, I think the whole thing's handled really well. It's a really nice way of addressing the fact that this character is a piece of propaganda 
Mm. For anyone who's not an American, it's a bit of a turn-off to hear, like, yeah, America, woo! Mm. And everyone else just thinks, like, all right, who cares? Come on, like, Mm. get over yourselves. And I think the fact that the film kind of addresses that head-on does wonders to um, make it work for people like us who aren't American and don't... Mm. (laughs) find the whole idea of pledging allegiance to your country every morning at school as a... Not the country, the flag. Yeah. Not even the country, just a representation. If you're an American listener, like, that's really weird. That is like that's cult stuff. That's like, Mm -hmm. we expect that from North Korea, and it's weird that you do that. (laughs) It's not normal. So... (laughs) uh, well, I, in, in, speaking of him as a propaganda mascot, like we see him, they're watching the little films that they make of him, and he's like leading the troops, and like, come on, guys, let's go for America. And then, mm. sort of like half an hour later, when he is leading troops into actual battle, like, it's exactly the same. And mm. I, I, I assume that's a deliberate kind mm. of he has become this thing now. Yeah, but it, it but it, it did strike me as being like, well, you're just living up to the what you were satirizing. I don't really, I don't really understand what you're, it, are you making fun of this or are you saying that he has become this uh, ultra, well, I don't know. They, they've sort of acknowledged that it's silly, therefore they're allowed to do it. <laughs> I think that's kind of, they're acknowledging that they're aware of what they're doing. and that To be honest, it works. They do them. get away with it. Yeah. I don't like those guys. The Howling Commandos just mm. seem very... They remind me of Thor's mates who were really yeah. underdeveloped and sort of dropped yeah. immediately in the sequels because they didn't know what to do with them. They feel mm. like such a, a setup for, oh, this is going to be his gang of mates. And look, there's a British one and a, a French one. and like yeah. gonna, yeah. It's going to be a, a ragtag bunch of lads. Maybe bef- maybe they thought that those would be like... Re- well, actually, no, they probably wouldn't be in Captain America's case considering that he... Go sixty years ahead, and the I think at the end of this one, I think one, they but... are setting them up to use if they ever want to. Although it doesn't quite make sense. I don't know. Maybe they'll do a time yeah. travel film or something. Who knows? I don't know. Maybe before the you know every Marvel film does link into all of the others now. Um, mm. Maybe it was just seen as oh well they'll occasionally team up for the Avengers, but when we want to do a proper sequel, we won't even consider yeah. getting Robert Downey Jr. in for it or anything like that. Mm. Well, I mean the. I mean, that annoyed me a little bit as well, and like it's similar to what they did in Wonder Woman, but they did it a lot better there. And where you yeah. get these little characters, and like we're not going to see them again. But they give them enough individual character each person in Wonder Woman exactly. that it works yeah, yeah. better there. But in this one, you don't get enough. You just get you get just enough for them to have character while they're being rescued, and then when they bring them back, it's like oh, well. <laughs> mm, yeah. and, and but also because it's like. Uh, don't worry, Cap. We got the best men uh, being recruited right now, and he's like, "I already know the best men." It's like, no. First of all, you don't know them. You're in one mm. battle with them, and they just happen to be the survivors. Let's not get carried away. These aren't the best men for the job. <laughs> <laughs> they could be the shittiest soldiers ever. <laughs> and why? Mm. But that sort of thing really annoyed me. The way, and this is where his kind of kindness and humans belief in the human spirit is kind of a flaw because he does just think. Uh, the best of everyone, mm. <laughs> which I think is going to get him into trouble. <laughs> I really like the ending action scene on the. Uh, well, first you've got that Return of the Jedi type stuff that's good fun, but then you've got them taking off in the weird uh, retro futuristic. Was it Alan your phrase? Uh, retro futurism, yeah. 
yeah, this retro futuristic sort of flying machines and mm. uh, propellers whizzing around, and there's a guy who gets thrown into one at one point and explodes into a shower <laughs> of blood. Um, yeah, there's like I, very sturdy propellers. Uh, <laughs> Does, it doesn't miss a beat. <laughs> but I, I really enjoy all that scene. I think it's it's good the the way they go out into those little flying things and it mm. plays with mm. the gravity to an extent. Not gravity, but yeah. I like the, yeah, when the when the plane and, starts plummeting yeah. and they're sort of floating. Away. I like that. I just get. I think little, it's far more interesting than it could have been, and I think it's done mm. very well. Mm. And then, of course, Red Skull has his his uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark moment where he mm. he grabs onto the Tesseract and. The first time I watched it, I always just thought it was an homage to Raiders, and it was meant to be him sort of melting away. But I've heard repeated claims that it isn't, and he's bit yeah. teleporting away without his teleporting, without his sort of any control over what he's doing. Where does he get teleported to? Well, I must admit, on the rewatch, looking for it, it really does look like a teleportation special effect rather than a mm. than mm. a killing him effect. Someone online, I was looking into it, said that it's basically the same effect they use when Thor goes flying across the universe using mm. the whatever Asgardian technology it is, because it sort of shoots off into the sky. That sounds like uh, leaving potential rather than... I was going to say, I, I think back. they've left the door open that they can bring him back if they ever feel that way inclined, but mm. he's dead until they overturn it, I think is basically mm, okay. what that mm. is. I hate this fucking tesseract. I think it's a stupid name. And is this what is this what Josh Brolin wants for his glove in the later ones? There's like several. He wants like he wants like seven of them. He wants the tesseract, and then there's a load of other infinity stones. Oh right, okay. So the tesseract is an infinity stone. Yeah, it's like it's like in Sonic when you collect all the chaos emeralds, and if you get all of them, you mm. become supersonic. Oh okay. And yeah, the ending is that he crashes the thing into the ground to avoid the bombs from reaching their intended destination. And mm, yep. He conveniently crashes into a load of ice, and mm. being a super being, he uh, doesn't die when he gets frozen. He, he's just sort of frozen, mm. so they can thaw him out conveniently. Thaw right- him out? Yeah. <laughs> conveniently right before an alien invasion in uh, 2012. Yeah. And then there's a sort of ending coda that, as much as it makes the film feel a bit disjointed and not its own thing, I do really enjoy where Nick Fury pops up and mm. in, in the present day and Cap'n makes his way to Times Square in New York and he's like, whoa, mm. dude. <laughs> <laughs> Rubs his eyes, throws away the bottle. Mm. Yeah, so the second one. This uh, brings a question, actually, because when I was watching the second film, I have seen The Avengers, but it was a long time ago, so I'm not sure of the details. But my my thought was, we've missed the interesting bit of Captain America where he has to adjust to modern yes. life. So is that addressed in The Avengers much? Because surely they haven't got not the time really. and everything else. Because that feels like that's the best bit of this story, surely. Yeah, and, and I I wish there was more of it in The Winter Soldier, but I do think they kind of figured, ah, oh, we'll do that in The Winter Soldier. Mm. But then it needs to be addressed in the Winter Soldier. Well, it is a tiny bit. He's got that list. Yeah, I thought that was quite funny, actually. Yeah, one I love that short list. joke. Is that enough for you? Well, yeah, because I've seen Austin Powers do it already, so I don't need to I get into it in too much detail. Thor does a bit of sort of, you know, um, trying to acclimatise to 
contemporary society. And um, yeah, I, I guess maybe two superheroes doing that same thing would have been too much. I think there's enough should at of least it. be addressed. No, there isn't. Well, anyway, that list, which is great. Um, are you guys aware? You know the list, Alan, when when he's he lifts it up and it's got like Star Wars slash Trek and he's, all these <laughs> things he has to catch up with. Nirvana. It, that's what it says in my version, but what oh. did it say in the Chinese version? So, have you? Oh. Oh, I was going to say, have you looked this up? No, I don't know. I know oh, that brilliant. I know that this is a thing, but I don't. Know. Yeah, I don't know anything for, about this. For some bizarre reason, they tailored that shot from country to country. So when I saw it in the cinema, it had the UK version of the list, which oh. is Sherlock TV series, The Beatles. <laughs> Uh, well, Cup you're putting final. those you're putting those two things on uh, the same level <laughs> immediately. <laughs> World Cup final okay. uh, sixty six or whatever. Sean Connery, which you'll be pleased <laughs> with, Cameron. But then when I watched it on DVD, it was the American version for some reason. So yeah, I don't which, think I've which, ever seen the one with Sean Connery. I only ever saw this film on home media. Yeah, uh, and and I I don't really know because it annoys me a bit because whilst the Beatles I can totally buy an American would be saying you've got to check out the Beatles whilst the English one isn't that bad I don't really know why like people would be going mate you've got to watch World Cup '66 when England won <laughs> uh, <laughs> and there's a lot of that from these other countries because they did tailor this uh, around the world and now I've got a little game for you. Where well? I'm going to read the events from certain countries, and you have to tell me what country or region <laughs> it is from. Oh, great. Okay. So, Chupa Chups. Spain. <laughs> it's Spain. What? Uh, in the Spanish version, there is, there's Chupa Chups, Rafa Nadal, whoever that is. He's a Spanish tennis player. Heroes ah. de Silencio. Silencio? Mm. Sounds like Heroes of Silence. Don't know what that means. Uh, the 1978 Constitution and Camilo Jose Seda, which hmm. don't really strike me like things people would be telling Captain America he's got to check out, but whatever. Okay. Um, <laughs> Daft Punk. <laughs> Germany. No. The Fifth Element. France. France, Ge- correct, Calvin. <laughs> um, A Daft Punk French. Yeah. No, I don't know. I, I, I just think all that sort of music is German. <laughs> just <laughs> that sort of music. <laughs> um, yeah, in the French version, Louis de Fou, whoever that is, is on there. Coluche, whatever that is. And and France 98, which I assume was the World Cup they, again. They won the World Cup, yeah. But, like, the fifth element? Like, really? I, <laughs> That's I the know. biggest French film from the last 70 years. <laughs> And it's not even French. <laughs> right. Ready? ACDC. Germany. Steve Irwin. Australia. Australia. <laughs> yeah, uh, yes, yeah, Australasia, actually. That whole region um, with New Zealand and everything. But uh, you kind of shouted out at the, the same time, didn't you? Both of you. But, uh, <laughs> we have to guess what else is on the list now. Yeah, um, can you guess there? there's two other things? Dundee. No, but you are very close. <laughs> oh, a point if you can get this Paul other Hogan. thing. No. There's something called Tim Tams on there, which is a type of biscuit. Oh, they're lovely. And now there's like the most ridiculously stereotypical Australian thing short of a dingo eating a baby you could think of. (laughs) Kangaroos! Men at work. Oh, you're very close, Calvin. Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Koalas! I'm close with kangaroo. Yeah. Did they have kangaroos in the 40s? You're close with kangaroos. A koala. Name a specific kangaroo. (laughs) Oh, Oh, Skippy! Skippy! (laughs) 
Skippy the bush kangaroo. Yes. I think if I was Australian and I was in the cinema and that all popped up, I'd be like, what the f- what the fuck? <laughs> what? Are you taking the piss? All right. Moon landing. America? Berlin Wall. October. Oh, Germany. Yes. <laughs> yeah, weirdly, Germany gets the... Um, Moon landing, which is a which is a, in the main list. It's in the proper list, isn't it? The, yeah. the theatrical release. I guess it makes sense from a Captain America perspective mm. that someone would have told him to look that yeah. up. Yeah, and Currywurst yeah. is on the German one as well. <laughs> mm. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, <laughs> Ferrari's victories at it's, F1 Italy. Grand Prix, <laughs> Italy. Mm. Yeah, yeah, Italy has that with with uh, Roberto Benigni, Vasco Rossi, and World Cup eighty two and 06. Hmm. Okay. Um, Chavez. Venezuela. Mamonas Assassinanus. I'm, I'm pronouncing all this wrong. Brazil. Uh, just general Zuxa. South America. Zuxa. Argentina. Wagner Maura. Ayrton Senna. <laughs> That's Brazil. It oh. is Brazil. Wait, I said Brazil, didn't I? I don't think so. Oh, never mind. Did you? Hmm. Yeah, I, don't I think you did. Oh, <laughs> oh did no. you? I'll give you a point I think then. So. Some quiz master you are. But sh- sh- <laughs> okay, go on. Uh, Is that not just South America in general? That seemed a bit. No, more. it's Brazil. Okay. Okay, next one. Chilean miners rescues. Chile. <laughs> uh, Maradona's hand of God. Argentina. Shakira. It's Colombia. This is South America. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's Latin America. This one. Uh-huh. Mary Vela, the first Mexican astronaut in brackets. And uh, Octavia Paz, brackets Nobel winner. Hmm. Okay, got two more. Yuri Gagarin. Russia. Um. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, along with Vladimir Vyotsky, Soviet Union dissolution 1991. And <laughs> something called Moscow Doesn't Believe in Tears. Yeah. Which I don't know if that's a band or what. You guys are drawing. So this is the tiebreaker. Ooh. Dance, dance, revolution, Japan. old boy, G-Sung Park, his career. Oh, damn it. And 2002 World Cup. Well done, Alan. You you know your... Uh... See, they didn't they didn't win the 2002 World Cup, just so you know, they hosted it. Oh, okay. So, so you know. Well, that's even weirder that Captain America will be interested in that one. Hmm. He really likes soccer, though, apparently. He makes very big interests, no matter where he is. <laughs> Apart from in America. <laughs> well, yeah, they never won it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I always found that a really odd detail that they bothered to change it. But it's a nice scene, yeah. and I like the the idea of it. Um, so yeah, the the Winter Soldier was directed by the Russo brothers, who at the time were basically people who'd worked in TV. I think they'd made one film, which was a sort of romantic comedy, fairly small, but. They were best known for directing episodes of Community. I think they did some Arrested Development, things like that. But yeah, I I remember when the second film was in production, there was a lot of online backlash against them being chosen because people were along the lines of, who the fuck are these TV directors? (laughs) This is going to be a massive film. They're going to ruin it. They won't know what they're doing. Of course, Hmm. anyone who's watched Community and has seen their work will know that they're like very good action directors. Uh, I do think they've got quite a great style of directing, personally. Hmm. 
you know, they might come across as kind of hired guns in a lot of ways, but I think there's a certain something to how they craft and frame an action scene that's really great. There's a lot of long takes, well-choreographed stuff. You can see everything happening. They mix it in with a bit of shaky cam, but it's never overbearing. I really like it, and I think it's put to great use in this film. I think it's a testament to them to say that, you know, after Winter Soldier and Civil War, they do seem to be the A-list, go-to Marvel movie yeah. directors. They're the ones directing the next two Avengers films. Mm. Um, they seem to very much have taken up the mantle that was left behind by Joss Whedon, I yeah. think. Yeah. Um, well, I do have a question about Scarlett Johansson's character, which okay. is, who is she and what is she doing here? <laughs> Well, Alan, if you'd watched Iron Man 2 and The <laughs> Avengers, you would know. Well, no, I I, re- I remember her being in The Avengers. I can't remember much about her. But I also just, do I, am I correct in thinking she has no kind of superpowers or anything like that? She's just good at kicking people whilst wearing unfeasibly tight trousers. Yeah, yes. she's a spy. Okay, does she do it? No, I, I, I mean, the, the, this this film never really, I don't think they've ever really explained who she is in much detail. She's a bit of an enigma, that's the point. But was this film there? Was this film the answer to going? Oh, we really can't build a whole film around her. So let's just make her a main <laughs> supporting cast in one of the others. I do think that might have been an element of it. They are now officially moving ahead with a, a standalone Black Widow film. Yeah, um, it's taken them long enough. And I've always the Jeremy been Jeremy Renner one as well. Well, I reckon he'll be a big part of her film. That's my guess. There's no way. Oh, you can that's have so annoying! If they if they make it a, a double act, that'll be so irritating. Like they can't, you know, let her carry a film by herself. They have to give her. Well, no, they no, they can't let him carry a film by himself. <laughs> People have always gone off. Oh, for fuck's sake, give Black Widow her own movie. And I've always thought, like, well, I don't. Do we want that? No. Well, people are dying for female spies. If you listen to people who think that it's perfectly fine for James Bond to be cast as mm. a female, I think the thing is, I don't want, I don't want spy movies as part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe unless it's going to be like this, which is a superhero man. Movie, or a spy. No, <laughs> it, if Black Widow had some powers, I think I'd be more into the idea. I don't want a Nick Fury standalone movie either. For the exact well, you, you same always reason. say you always say that it's good that you can have all these different genres and different flavors of these films. I like that. I'm all right I agree, that. but spy movies are notoriously boring and rubbish. <sighs> so no, they're not. <laughs> Couldn't you describe this film as having elements of spy genre espionage? Yeah, there's a absolutely. Bit of, uh, there's a bit but like I say, there. there's there's enough superhero-y stuff. But I, I'll, I'll add as well, when this film was in pre-production, they were selling it as a sort of Bourne-esque thriller. And yeah, I yeah. I was yeah, so not... Yeah. I was like, oh god, it's going to be shit. I loved the first one because it was this pulpy nonsense and I'm not interested in that at all. And I was really, really pleasantly surprised with this film because I... Yeah. Uh, phase two had been off to a rocky start with Iron Man 3 and Thor The Dark World, neither of which are representative of the best that Marvel have to offer, if you ask me. I think if I'd known it was going to be such a conspiracy thriller mm. rather than just a sort of born action movie... Mm. I would have been way more on board. And then obviously, towards the end, it goes a bit mad and brings in a whole load of elements from the first film and the pulpy nonsense comes back into play and that made me really happy. It was Well, it's, it's interesting you should say that, Saul, because I went into this film 
uh, and I was really enjoying the first half. And I put that it this feels like a sort of late nineties diehard film. Um, and I was quite into all that. And the fact that Black Widow doesn't have any superpowers and all that, I'm good with that. I don't like the superhero nonsense. And then the second half of the film, I just completely phased out and it lost me. Uh, so I think we just like different things. <laughs> I, I, just, I love it when they go and find Toby Jones and he's on a computer. I, I did quite that. like that, actually. That's the sort of thing I shouldn't like, but it was just I, sort of I, retro-futurist enough for me to Well, that, that character, that is... That's a character in the comics who's one of the most absurd villains. He's like a big egg with a head and a screen. <laughs> like, he looks ridiculous. And there was a lot of talk of, oh, can we, like, is this actually going to happen in the film? Surely not. They couldn't possibly pull that off. And they, they found a way to kind of ground it within their reality of the films. Because uh, hmm. I was initially very disappointed that... I felt there was more material to enjoy in the the 40s and doing that kind of Indiana Jones stuff. So, yeah, I was very pleasantly surprised with The Winter Soldier. Yeah, yeah, no, no likewise. This was around the time when I remember that when this was at the cinemas, this was a time when I was truly sort of out of the loop with Marvel films almost entirely. I wasn't really seeing them at the cinema or anything like that. So I caught up with this one on home media and, yeah, really enjoyed the whole undercover espionage conspiracy stuff. Mm. Um, I really like Robert Redford as the villain. Yeah, um, I I also think this is the best use of Nick Fury that Marvel have found for more than just a quick cameo. He's always yeah. been a bit of a weird loose end, and he's actually got something to do here. I really enjoy his whole subplot up until he dies, and I thought at the time, oh my, wow, they're actually killing him off. Like, I did uh, not expect I, that. I Brilliant. literally made a note saying, something tells me Nick Fury isn't really dead. <laughs> Even when yeah, it, that, that was when he was on the hospital table. I thought they were doing dead, it when like... I first watched it, and I was so fucking pissed off when he came back. Because it, 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 it undermines everything about actually killing him there. And it undermines death in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, because... As if that wasn't already undermined by, what's his name, Coulson. Well, well, that's it. Coulson was bad enough. They made a big thing out of killing off this character that's, like, nothing and no one cares about. And then they had to bring him back on the TV show. But at least it was only on TV and you can ignore all the TV stuff, because who the fuck cares? Yeah, I, I don't know. I just felt like it was the final bit of straw that broke the camel's back really bringing Nick Fury back it was like oh for fuck's sake there's no, no permanence to any of this you you could have like really impressed me by killing him off there it would mm. be quite powerful it would play into what this film's doing about kind of burning the old yeah. stuff you, to the you're, ground you're, and... you're smashing shield down and they're going to become something else yeah. so do it take out your talismanic leader Plus, the guy's 75 now. He needs to retire. <laughs> oh, I think I think some people are going to die properly in the Avengers film coming yeah. up soon. I yeah. think that's inevitably going to be a big thing, and it's probably going to be largely dictated by whose contracts are expired <laughs> and uh, yeah. what have yeah, you. Who's but... too expensive? So... Uh, with this film, I, I liked the first half. I was kind of really on board with it, and it lost me later on. Mm. It is about 10 minutes too long. And indeed, I think it is about, what, 15 minutes longer than the first film? Yeah. Uh. And it's 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 because the last act is all about him and Bucky, and I just don't care about Bucky. Who yeah. That was my last note, was the whole Bucky story just didn't add anything to this film for me. Yeah. 
And the and the fact that you've got this winter soldier, his face is covered, so it's like, oh well, something's gonna be under there, like that we're not allowed to see yet. It's like it's not yeah. just a cool uniform. And so when he finally pulls it off and it was like <gasps> Who's that? <laughs> and then it's only because he said Bucky that I even knew it was supposed to be him. And and I'd watched the previous film like two days before, so like I should have remembered <laughs> the guy's <laughs> face. Because it doesn't it doesn't mean anything ultimately, because it's not Bucky, is it? It's it's his body that has, in his mind, yeah. been melted. So well, yeah, but it, assuming the real Bucky is still in there somewhere. Well, I think I think that's a big assumption and one that Captain America makes several times, mm. uh, and people end up dead because of it. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, actually, that's the point I wanted to make about this film. That this they're not shy about killing people, are they? I, I mean, wanted to make the same point. Yeah, particularly hmm. noticeable in that opening scene where they not opening but near the start where they um, go onto that ship and. They're infiltrating it, and they're just shooting people dead, and mm. it's just like, yeah. And I like that about the film, to be honest. I like that it is just like, yeah, that's what these guys do. They're, the government mm. sends them in. and Especially when that third film gets all touchy-feely about it. <laughs> uh, so the second one's a bit more of a realistic approach. Isn't it? Mm. I think it adds more power to the fact that the big twist reveal is that like, Hydra's basically infiltrated shield and being operating out of it the whole time and that when when this film came out it was like a huge thing like oh they've they've burnt shield to the ground and they're gonna have to start again and it's gonna have massive ramifications for the future of marvel and they made a huge thing out of it barely ever touched on again like (laughs) they just kind of carry on oh it's not shield now it's just sort of called something else whatever how did they address it in agents of shield i don't watch that show I think Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. did, like, basically their entire season was built around it, but I, I don't watch it ah. either, because it's rubbish. Um, I, I want to point out a particular scene that I liked, oh. uh, which was the fight scene in the lift. Oh, which, yes. That is which I just thought, this is really neat. Sequence. It just gives it a completely different dynamic, because they're completely hemmed in. Mm. And it was just like mm. in a film that where you're going to see a lot of big open action pieces, that mm. makes a really nice little change. And then they managed, they took it out of the lift as well, so they had that bit anyway. Yeah, it's played so well, choreo- the way it's choreographed. And, yeah. and it just adds to that there's a real sense of helplessness, I think, at the in the film as, as everything begins to crumble around, you know, the cap. Hmm. Mm. Um, do, do we need to address uh, Falcon at all? Because this oh. is the first film that he's introduced in, am I yeah, right? I forgot. As sort of a, a, a B-list Marvel hero, as far mm. as I'm aware. He's the one they got to pop up in Ant-Man. So that's the level ah, that he's mm. working at. <laughs> oh, interesting. Well, well, in this film and the second one, he, he works quite nicely, I think, as a sidekick to Captain America. Um, he's not a superhero, but he's got, he brings something to the table. Yeah. Mm. He seems like a nice character, and it, it kind of fits with Captain America. Yeah. Mm. Mm. I didn't really like the wings thing. It was just sort of... <laughs> <laughs> You really liked him apart from his only superhero attribute. (laughs) Well, I don't like superheroes. I think that's the the issue here. (laughs) Um, So what comes between the third film and the second film? There was Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, it was Guardians of the Galaxy, Avengers 2, Ant-Man, and then I think Captain America 3. Otherwise known as Avengers 2.5. Yes. Oh, exactly. It was just Avengers Light, I called it. Oh, I'm so sad I get a massive spectacle superhero (laughs) blockbuster to watch. 
<laughs> I wanted a film that cost a hundred million instead of three hundred million. <laughs> Why are you so threatened by other people's opinions? <laughs> um, yeah, very much. This felt like Avengers, but we can't quite get all the cast together. Um, didn't feel like a Captain America film at all. I think mm. it does. Let's just set the scene straight away. I didn't like this film at all. <laughs> I thought it was shit. I, I thought it was middling until the end. I liked it. <laughs> well, surprise, surprise. Uh, I, I agree. It feels... This film is so absurdly huge in scope that when you're watching it, in the back of my mind, I can't get the idea of where do they possibly go from here out of my head. And I know, yeah, there's scope and Avengers 4... But I really, it does feel like Avengers 4 is pretty much the ceiling and as big a film as you could make. And I don't know what they're going to do afterwards. They're just going to have to focus on doing different things. Which, to be fair, I suppose they're they're already doing. They're making, you know, more offbeat, little, slightly experimental films. So, Hmm. Um, I haven't seen Age of Ultron. So, obviously, there was things I was missing here. So when mm-hmm. this begins um, and we have... Nothing major. Well, when th- this this begins and there's a, a new character who's part of the team. Oh, I guess, yeah, Vision and Scarlet Witch. And I was like, thing. okay, I don't know who she is. I don't know if she's going to be introduced or if she's been introduced in this earlier film. And then it's like, oh, she can move things with her mind. I'm like, forget it. I'm out. <laughs> uh, that was that. What was that? Seven minutes in? That was when I was like, I'm not bothered about this film. And I, I, I was really tempted to just think, fuck it, and turn it off, and I'm not going to bother because I'm so sick of these films. But I stuck with it for the sake of you guys. She is an oh. X Man, and due to some weird, legal... there was something at the end of the second film with the twins, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and one of them is Quicksilver, who yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. was I, also I, in. I remembered him. I remembered him from X Men. He's in a load of the X-Men movies, but it's a different version of him from a different continuity. There was a weird... Basically, they announced that they were using these X-Men characters, but they weren't legally allowed to refer to them as X-Men, and there were some other provisions like that put on the table. And then I think later that same week, 20th Century Fox were like, yeah, well, they're going to be in the next X-Men as well. And it was (laughs) really weird, sort of, really? Like, fine. That's going to be confusing. Yeah, I mean they're they're a relatively big part of the second Avengers film, but I mean who cares? Like yeah, it's just it's a hero. They're sort of part of the Avengers. They can do magic. What's wrong with that? It annoys well, me uh... that you that you can that you have to be that dismissive about it to sort of enjoy it. Well, I, I don't guess. really like Scarlet Witch that much as a concept, so I'm not massively on board with it myself that she's mm. in the franchise at all, but. It's not enough to like stop me enjoying the film. It's Vision that I can't stand because I've what? seen this that oh, Avengers film where he's created in, and I just I that Why? was when I was like this whole series isn't because he's like a he's created out of a MacGuffin from another film by merging it with technology, and for some reason he becomes a humanoid figure. It's it's, it's too silly. I didn't know what he was. I, my, literally, my note when I saw him, I was, is that Paul Bettany with a red head? What the fuck yeah. is going on in this film? <laughs> that was literally why I wrote. So, I really like I, Vision. Well, I don't know what he is or what well, he's supposed to I, do. The, in a nutshell, do you, know, in this film. you know how Paul Bettany voiced Iron Man's suit? Oh, yeah. 
Well, basically, in the second Avengers film, not to, well, yeah, exactly, to spoil it, they, like, put the artificial intelligence of, that runs his suits into, like, magic, and it becomes a, a person. Oh my god. He's, a, he's an artificial I can't man. wait until you have to watch that one, Alan. <laughs> What's wrong with I, that? I, I, you Is know it... what, I... I know, I know that people have um, commented on like how we're doing all these Marvel films like out of order, but it's uh, instances like this that I'm really pleased that we are because I think it lends a different perspective to them other than going but, through them chronologically. But this, this is why I liked the first half of Captain America two because it was there was no magic. It was like okay, he's a superhero in the sense that he's much stronger than reality. But back in the nineties, that would just be John McClane. And for some reason he was really strong. And if he got mm. shot, it would only just graze him and stuff like that. So it's kind of just part of that disbelief of the work of Hollywood. And mm. this just kind of gives you a bit more reasoning behind it. And, and there's, I can believe that someone can be made stronger than they naturally are and all that sort of thing. But when it's just like, Ooh, I've got red glowing hands and it makes things float. It's just like, Oh, I, I, I just don't care about it. I, I'm not interested in magic films. Well, mm. I, I, I like Vision, but I don't particularly care for him in this film or Scarlet Witch or Hawkeye, who also shows up to get involved with that lot. And they don't add anything in this film, do they, those characters? Other than their involvement in a big fight scene later on. Yeah. Uh, they bring Ant-Man in just to drop him in. Oh, we need another fighter. And even Jeremy Renner is just like, oh, we need. We just want to make this look a bit bigger. Let's put mm. some extra characters in. But they're in it right from the beginning, and we're supposed to be... They're protecting her somehow. I'm not even sure what she is to be protected. But they keep referring to her as a kid, but she looks like she's about 28. I don't really know what that means. Black Pan- What accent is Black Panther doing? That's, that was Wakandan. I had. Wakandan. Right. So have they created a fake country so they can get away with whatever accent they want? Yes. All right, good. I don't know. I I think the problem I have more than anything is that Black Panther doesn't seem to bring very much to this film. So is this the first film with Black Panther in it, or is he in the second Avengers? This oh. is the first film with Black Panther in it, but right. we've already set up the almost certain but not confirmed villain for Black Panther in Age of Ultron. Mm. I, 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 there's a there's a particularly amazing fight scene uh, near the end in an airport, which is such a well crafted sequence. And mm. one of the reasons I think it works so well is that it really plays on the different powers that the heroes have and what they each bring to the table. They all fight each other very differently. Ant Man makes great use of being very small and then very big, which justifies him being there. Spider Man is obviously very different in how he battles other, you know, and they're all very different characters. But then there's a few of them, like Black Panther, and it's like. I don't even know what his powers are, if he's got any. Is he super strong, I assume? He's got claws, yeah. (laughs) Well, let me tell you what, my big problem with that whole scene was, it didn't feel like a big battle scene. It felt like, oh, here's two people fighting over here, and here's two people fighting over here. And occasionally this woman runs up and saves them right at the last second. And then she disappears for a while until we we need her again. She doesn't Mm -hmm. help anyone else in the meantime. And it was just a bit too blocky and messy, well, scattered, I guess. And it didn't, I didn't feel like I had a sense of the bigger picture. Mm. Um, I will say this though, that is the first I've seen of Ant-Man. I haven't seen the Ant-Man film yet. And I must admit, I find that character very intriguing because he goes really small. It's like, that brings a whole new dimension to the game. It's kind of like when they did the fight scene in the lift. It's like, okay, you're putting different rules on this and it Mm. makes it a little bit interesting. 
Well, I really liked Ant-Man. I, I think, I don't know, you might like it. It's it's hard to gauge with you. <laughs> so this this film basically is, well, apart from it, it's just an extended sort of trailer for the Black Panther film and uh, what other things were they saying? Spider-Man. This? Spider-Man, yeah, that was it, yeah. So it's just setting up Spider-Man and Black Panther. But generally, the theme of this film seems to be about uh, guilt, I guess taking responsibility, but also... Well, it didn't work for me, basically, because the the problem seems to be that they're causing too much collateral damage. But, I mean, as military operations go, they don't cause that much collateral damage. And one of the examples they use is, like, demolishing New York. Yeah, uh, aliens. In the Avengers, it? which is, yeah, it's not their fault that <laughs> somewhere was attacked and they helped defend it. Age of Ultron is the big thing they point to, and that's why Tony Stark is on the side that he's on, because... Ultron is essentially a, a Frankenstein's monster of Tony Stark's creation. That he that crea- I, I, I a did. Great deal of I must admit I, that did come through, and uh, his particular personal guilt. The end of this, well, not even the end of this film, but the whole premise of this film, where they're infighting and going against each other and all that, didn't quite hold together for me. But when it was about this political intrigue and diplomacy about should we let other people have a say in what we're doing. That's kind of interesting. It was a bit mm. slow and boring for a action film, but I'm all right with that. I... <laughs> but then it kind of loses all that by the end and becomes about this very personal thing where Tony Stark suddenly becomes a completely different character because someone's like slagged off his mother. And that didn't feel right to me. It didn't feel in keeping with his character. It didn't feel justified by what we'd seen in this film. Well, just just... What you were talking about at the start there, I, I've made a similar note that I, I like, because it's a real cliche at this point that superhero films try and dig into the government being like, mm. oh, we've got to control this and them getting involved, but they never really dig into it as thoroughly as this film does, and not that this mm. film does the best job of it, but I, I think it's nice to see it properly explored to the point that it is here. <laughs> It starts out nicely, but then it gets forgotten about, mm. and it just becomes a reason for them to be arguing, rather than an actual thing in itself. Well, that's another thing I I, I do like that there's no, or rather there there are villains, but it's not like there's a big supervillain to be thwarted in this film. I like that yeah. it's it's different in that there's two sides that both have fairly reasonable goals and aims, and you're not particularly rooting for either one necessarily over the other. Mm-hmm. I agree for them to not end it definitively with, you know, well, this is the right answer to this debate. Yeah. I I, I guess, I suppose it's probably why it disappears, that theme, as the film mm-hmm. goes on, because they're, they're not presenting you a right or wrong answer. It's, mm-hmm. um... Um, Spider-Man is just dropped into this film out of the blue. Like, you just introduced to this kid in an apartment in New York, and it yeah. And we have, yeah, it's about a 20-minute section without Captain America in the Captain America film. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it, it's it's a really odd thing to do. It kind of comes out of nowhere. At the same time, I find his scenes an absolute joy. Um, I could probably agree with that. I, I liked him in this. It worked. Um, it just... This wasn't a Captain America film, and it annoyed me. Um, so... Because you so loved the yeah. last two. <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to do, a Captain America? Why not just call this Avengers? Because it's not because it's not an <laughs> Avengers movie. Why? Because well, there's why not? Thor and Hulk. Yeah, they're busy. 
Yeah. We'll bring them <laughs> yeah. in. They could just bring them in. Too. No, because then we, we need Th- Thor Ragnarok's happening at the same time. Well, make that not happen. No, no, no. <laughs> Thor Ragnarok's better than this, so let's not do that. Well, don't make this one then. No, let's have them both. Why don't make Thor Ragnarok, but then all the other Avengers are suddenly teleported in? No, because uh, that would no ruin reason. the dynamic of Thor Ragnarok. It's a buddy. It's a buddy comedy. I would love to see an Avengers film written by Adam. <laughs> I would. <laughs> oh god. Oh, um, that's actually quite a good segue into us doing pitches. Well, no, I want to. I want to get your feelings about the end and Tony Stark's motivation at the end because I just didn't buy it at all. Oh, it's one of my. It's probably my favorite moment in the film. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> just the, the the moment where he's who is it that says something to him is like Tony, what the hell are you doing or something like that, and his response is just, well, he killed my mom. Oh, I love that. I quite yeah, like that. I yeah, do. I just really love the simplicity of it. Yeah, there was no Batman like waxing no, because, lyrical no, about because... memories. It was just very simple. Yeah, he killed my mom, so sorry, I'm I've got to do this. Yeah, but I no, love that. He, well. he has he, sh- he has enough objectivity to be able to look at that situation. Even no, with I, an emotional significance of that, and and say, look, I know this this person wasn't the person who killed my mum. I think and- he does with like half an hour to cool down, but yeah, it, he finds out when the guy's right there. They're already like very emotionally raw, and it, it's stressful. And I I totally buy that he gives in to the emotional impulsive drive. Mm. To I certainly just don't buy fight. it twenty minutes later when they're still fighting. And they just have this massive long punch up. Well, at that point, he's pissed off because the guy's been smacking him in the face. <laughs> and then the bad guy just wanders off. It's like, what? Oh, yeah, Daniel Bruhl. We haven't really mm. talked about him, but the least uh, <laughs> inspiring Marvel villain, I think. Well, he's, he's but there's no room supposed for to be. Him. He's supposed to be, isn't he? That's the whole kind of. That's the thing at the end. The big reveal is it's just a, a guy who lost his family and so has decided to destroy the world or whatever. Mm. So yeah, none of that came together for me properly, mm. and I just and so like the ending was very disappointing. I didn't buy the Tony Stark Captain America feud at any point. Uh, none of it played for me, and I, did. I didn't like the film. Uh, the ending was the my favorite bit. Mm. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, the ending was my favorite bit. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, general consensus is that each Captain America film is better than the last, and it's a franchise that kind of really <laughs> figured itself out really? and became <laughs> better and better and better. Um, that, no one thinks that third film is the best. They do. <laughs> No, they don't. They do. It's a mess. Yeah, I think most people do. It's regarded as one of the high points of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Oh, Mike. This is why I don't believe in democracy. Now, I, I, <laughs> I'm i someone with a very counter-controversial opinion that the first one is the best, and it's all downhill from there, although I do enjoy all three of them. But I have a feeling that's going to be a universal, um, something we all agree <laughs> with from the sounds of it. Yeah. No. Oh, no. <laughs> Alan really loved Civil War. <laughs> just no, not Civil War. Time. Well, should we should we rate them out of ten and we'll see how they all stack up against yeah. each other? Go on then. All right. Well, for me, it's easy. Eight out of ten across the board. What? Ocho. I give them all. Really? I, I give them all an eight. I thought you said that you you, you thought they got. Lesser as they went along. Yeah, they do. 
Oh, okay. Not massively. I really love the first one, so it's a really strong eight. The second one is like a solid normal eight. The mm. last one's like a weak eight, nearly a nearly a seven point five. Mm. I think I'm gonna go seven six. No, seven seven six. Right. No, no, yeah, no, seven seven six. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Which is a higher seven for the first one, but not enough to be an eight. Ooh. Okay, mine goes. Five, six, four. Oh. Ooh. And if that second film had had anything like a decent ending, it would have been a seven, easy. I can't wait until we get to our Avengers episodes, honestly, Alan. I really <laughs> am looking forward to it. Yeah. Right, before we do pictures, I do. there's one thing I want to talk about. Uh, because um, rather than just watching these recent Captain America films, I got my hands on some older oh. versions of Captain America that were uh, mm-hmm. attempted. Um, and, uh, well, I thought I'd watch them and and then be able to bring some to the table. To be honest, there's not a lot to say, because... You haven't watched the uh, 1940s serial. Uh, I haven't. Like no, I, I didn't even know there was a 1940s no, serial for Captain America. Yeah, 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 like wartime propaganda. It's basically the one that they have in no. Captain America, <laughs> when, he, <laughs> when he's the propaganda mascot. It's just that, basically. Mm. Uh but yeah, no, I watched one that was made in 1979, and it was pretty obvious, and reading about it afterwards, uh, it turned out to be the case. It's it's a it's a setup for a TV show. It's just like a, an extended oh, pilot. So I was going to say, movie. was it a theatrical it wasn't, it wasn't, no, film? It didn't go into theatres. But the first one, it, it's set in the 70s, and it just feels like you're watching The Six Million Dollar Man or... Or any any of those like the Incredible Hulk, it's it's got that mm. feel to it, and it is just like oh this guy's more strong than others, and <laughs> then he goes around like helping old women who are getting mugged and stuff like that. Mm. Uh, but then we get a bit more of a, a, a origin story, which is essentially this guy who is like an ex soldier, but his dad was a scientist, and he's a big beefy guy, but his dad made this super serum using his own genes and so mm. it keeps getting rejected his best levi's that's how much it meant to him <laughs> yeah. he used his own genes yes they keep injecting it into rats and stuff and it makes them super strong yeah. but then they die quite quickly because and they look it. fucking fabulous <laughs> <laughs> they want to try it on him and he's like no <laughs> don't be ridiculous <laughs> And they say, like, but it won't reject with you because you've got your dad's genes, right? He left them to you. In his <laughs> they're will. too big for you. <laughs> no, they're too small. He's a big guy. Um, so he's, he says, no, that's ridiculous. I'm going to go and be an artist. Um, which is something that happens in the recent Captain America. He's he's always drawing things and he's not. And, and in this one, he was an artist. Yeah. Is that part of the comic book law then, I guess? I guess it must be. I, I didn't know about it, but... He was tr- doing a doodle in the first one, which was quite accomplished. Yeah, um, exactly. It was if, that felt like a, just a little nod to something from mm. the comics, didn't it? Where in, yeah. in this one, he's a, he's a, he wants to be an artist. That's what he's trying to do. But then he gets yeah. involved in some sort of conflict. He gets driven off the road and like he's going to die. And so the only way to save him is to inject him with this serum because it'll make his body strong enough to fight. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so blah blah blah. He's now a super guy. Uh, and then there's all these people trying to, uh, you know, there's a plot, basically. There's, and then the rest of it is kind of him. He gets the motorbike uh, and a shield and all that sort of thing. And so that was like, 
it's it was just the it was your origin story with a little bit of plot to tie it all together, and it did very much feel like it was in these like half hour segments. Hmm. Is this one of those things where it was just the pilot to a show? I, I don't know for sure, but it felt like chap- half hour chapters. Yeah, uh, so yeah. I suspect so. And then the second one, which was released in the same year or made in the same year, same same guy playing Captain America. Hmm. Uh, and it is essentially right right and this is what would happen next here's his next mission and so he goes off and there's another plot uh it doesn't really make much sense the plot and it's about um yeah this is this christopher lee one right so christopher lee is a terrorist Uh called called miguel (laughs) who's captured a, a scientist uh who has this formula that makes people age um and so he drops this formula all over a city I said, right, these people are now aging at, um, uh, what is it, something like 32 months every hour. So <laughs> so then they have to find the antidote and blah, 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 and they have to find Miguel, and and they, and, and, he, and Christopher Lee dies at the end, spoiler alert, hmm. by uh, he gets this uh, aging thing chucked all over him, and oh, like, his face goes all shriveled, and he's like, I'm aging! <laughs> It's just the best bit in the whole thing. It's a really nice effect. It's sort of his face goes all shrivelly and like an old man. Mm. <laughs> a bit like uh, Last Crusade, Indiana Jones. Yeah, a bit like that. Yeah, it looked better than that, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's it, it just really felt like watching one of those nineteen seventies TV shows, like The Fall Guy, Incredible Hulk, all that sort of stuff. Mm. So anyway, then there is another version, which was a cinematic version made in nineteen ninety. I think it was. Mm. Have you watched that? Yes. Oh, okay. I watched that as well, yeah. like years and years and years ago, before the the new film even came out. Actually, well, this is, do you remember it? I mean, it was. I remember it being bad. Yeah, um, this is this is they do the entire entirety of the Captain America film, the whole origin story in the first half hour. Um, it feels very rushed, and they just get that over with so that then they can freeze him and bring him back to life later on, and like in present day, which is nineteen ninety in this case. But it does everything that we see in the first Captain America film. It hits all the same notes, which means it must that must come from the comic book source, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I think it's all there. You've got Red Skull. He, he, Captain America ends up strapped to a bomb. Red Skull straps him to a bomb. Uh, and he's like, right, I'm setting this off to New York. And then it, it launches. And he has to kind of deflect it into the Antarctic or wherever. And then he gets frozen. So mm. it's the same sort of concept that, that dealt with not as well <laughs> and then and then I, I actually to give an, a sense of um what this film is like i i just had to look it up to check if it was another tv movie or if it was a real film and apparently it was a real film but yeah you couldn't really tell to watch it you can tell it's, it's definitely a lot more cinematic than those earlier ones i mean you can tell it feels more cinematic than tv but it's not a huge budget we got a uh, Ronnie Cox and Ned Beatty are in it, which are like in especially nineteen ninety. Oh, okay. Like, this is, that's a pretty decent little bit of casting. That it, 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 is one of those Captain America. No, no, no. Uh, yeah. Captain America is some guy with a big chin that I don't know. Yeah. Uh, well, he kind of looks the part somewhat. You know, mm. he's got the he's got the jawline for it. Mm. Uh, but Ronnie Cox is the president who mm. uh, ends up having to kick some ass as well. El president. Uh, and, and Ned Bate is like his fat mate who um, does a, gathers all the information. All I remember is him fighting Red Skull in like a car park. Not even a car park, it's like a field. 
It's just like <laughs> they, they've got like the cheapest location imaginable. There's like a bit of concrete and some grass. And then we also have uh, Captain America going and meeting up with his ex-girlfriend, who is now like 70 years old or whatever. And then she gets killed <laughs> by, by the people looking for him. And so he buddies up with her daughter, who just so happens to be the same age as him. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, next generation. Uh, but they don't get it on or anything, but she, she goes Well, they've only had like him. half an hour to establish the old woman in the first place in the yeah. origin. So I guess you're not as invested in her as a character. You're invested mm. in the young one. So. But then, yeah, yeah, so then the daughter, who's played by the same actor... Uh, so it looks the same. <laughs> she she becomes his little sidekick for the rest of the, the rest of the thing, and she's like the brains of the operation. Uh, I mean, it was all right. I remember it being really bad, personally, but uh, ah, it was all right. I've given it a two on IMDb, oh, two out of ten. I think I gave it more than I gave Captain America. Well, that that's <laughs> fucking ludicrous. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was. I mean, it, it kind of looked cheap and all, but it felt all right for its time. It was, you know. <sighs> So, should we should we do some pitches? Captain America 4. Um, well, I can go first, okay. if your guys are alright with that. Yeah? <clears throat> right. My Well, I'll, I'll just start it, it'll all become clear. So, for my film, we open in 1964. Captain America is frozen in ice, and suddenly there's a glow of a blowtorch he's been cut out of the ice. He awakens aboard a spaceship, and of course freaks out and starts running about the place until he's eventually calmed down by a very well-spoken but quite arrogant man who introduces himself as Captain James T. Kirk. (laughs) And Kirk explains to Rogers that he's come from the future, where a rogue group of space Nazis have destroyed the universe itself. Oh man. (laughs) So Kirk tells Rogers the tale of Captain Franz... Abromit, Ab- Abromit, Ab- Abromit. I don't know. It is an this isn't alien... a, this isn't a name you've made up, is it? <laughs> what? No, it isn't. <laughs> you can't pronounce your own um, bullshit. Is this a um, what is it? Is it a Star Trek guy? No, no. He was a member of the Nazi Party oh. who uh, fled Egypt and was, uh, fled uh, Germany rather um, to Egypt. It is believed. Um, who was it? Appa- Say it again. <laughs> Uh, Franz Abr- Abromiet? Can you spell Abromiet? it? <laughs> A-B-R-O-M-E-I-T. Abromite. Abromite. Okay, Franz Abromite. Hmm. I've never um, heard of him. Okay. He was an SS officer and an officer of the Reichsheitschamp. <laughs> <laughs> this is a very long word. Say that again. <laughs> the Reichsheitschamp. Reichsheitschaubchamp. Okay. Right. Um, anyway, so, um, so a real Nazi, quite bad. Um, but he was um, a surviving Nazi who managed to rally a core group of right-wing supporters in the early 1960s. And this is where um, I'm playing with reality. Um and that was the seed from which the future Nazi group grows from. Kirk explains to Rogers that he needs his help in tracking down the Nazi group and kill Abromite. How do you pronounce him again? <laughs> Ab- Abromite? Well, I don't know. I'm just judging on the spelling. <laughs> Abromite. Before he can continue to recruit Abromite! more Nazis to his cause. <laughs> in order to do this, Kirk explains that they must go and recruit the best captains in the universe. So, they travel around and bring back to 1964... Oh, wait, wait, let's, let, let's guess the captains. <laughs> Captain okay, Planet. Brilliant. 
Um, okay, so I've got. I, they go and recruit Captain one, Ahab. Two, three, four, five, six. They recruit six. Captain Ahab is one of them. Okay. Captain Planet. Captain Planet is not one Ooh. of them. Oh. Captain Crunch. No. Oh. <laughs> Captain Haddock. Oh no, no, sorry. Captain Planet is one of them. Yes, sorry. Captain Planet. Yes. <laughs> you don't even know your own. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm... Uh, oh, um, the one that Tom Hanks played in that boat in the boat movie. Oh, yeah. oh no. Oh, <laughs> There are some really obvious captains that captain you're missing. Captain Nemo? Is he a captain? No! <laughs> captain... Are they real captains or fictional captains? Oh, fictional, fictional. Oh, well, okay. the three of them are. I'm not sure about one of them. <laughs> <laughs> captain... Corelli. No. <laughs> uh, who's the who's probably the most famous pirate today? Blackbeard, Bluebeard, blue Blueballs. No, no. Fictional. They're Long John Captain Silver. Jack Sparrow. Oh, uh, Sparrow. Yes, there you go. <laughs> Captain Jack Sparrow. Okay, you've got three more. Two of them Two of them are famously animated. Oh, I don't know. I've got nothing. Off to Neverland. Oh, Captain Hook. Peter Pan. Yeah. <laughs> Captain Pan. Right, there's two more. Uh-huh. One of them is more of an advertising uh, mascot. Captain Crunch. No. <laughs> The think, ad- think grown up. Admiral insurance. <laughs> <laughs> no, but bird's well, eye. If I, if I, if I, if I had Captain like, bird's eye, got it. <laughs> no, wait. Oh, it's not. Is it not that? If it's not that, what the fuck is it? <laughs> if it's not Captain so Bird's I, eye, it's whatever it is. It's not as good as Captain Bird's eye. <laughs> So I'm I'm looking through all my insurance bills and I'm like, oh god, this is all so miserable and depressing. I need something to cheer myself up. I go to my booze cupboard. Oh, and I Captain take... Morgan. Yes. <laughs> and there's one more. Isn't that basically Jack Sparrow? You've got two of the same there. No, no, no. Oh, they are a bit similar. <laughs> kind of conflict through that. Well, because Jack Sparrow keeps drinking his rum, and he's like, hey. <laughs> okay, the last one is Captain Caveman. <laughs> Oh, I Who's have remembered that? that. Oh, come on. These are your era. <laughs> what is it? I don't know. Captain Caveman! He was a very hairy man who drove around in a like a, a, a wagon with uh, three sexy ladies solving mysteries. He's a B-list Hanna-Barbera um, cartoon creation. Oh. He's, he's the Scooby-Doo of his own particular show. Uh, it was Captain Caveman and the Teen Angels, I feel. I think they were called. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Anyway, each captain has a special skill which uh, comes to play to help the group defeat the evil Nazi at his base, which is inside a pyramid in Egypt where he plans to use ancient Egyptian magic to send a a message of Nazi hate into space. Special skills. So Jack Sparrow can surf on tortoises like roller skates on the (laughs) sea. (laughs) Not coming handy in Egypt. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, Captain Morgan is like sets up a distillery and makes a lot of money for them (laughs) no he's like Ice (laughs) ice Man whatever that X-Man's called but with rum just produces rum rum. no no, he's like like Magneto but with rum (laughs) he can just move rum around (laughs) Captain Hook has a hook yes yes Captain Ahab (laughs) has a a spear <laughs> that that's the Black Widow of this universe, and Captain Planet is obviously probably the most helpful. 
Well, he has he, he gives advice about uh, recycling. That's always useful. Mm. And Captain Caveman is our comedy relief. <laughs> and he's got a big club. Hey, yeah. and he was frozen in the ice too, like Captain America. So yeah, they can, oh, they can bond. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's my pitch. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what happens? <laughs> I, I, I said each yeah. of them has a special skill which helps the group defeat the evil Nazi at his base inside a pyramid in Egypt, where he plans to use ancient Egyptian magic to send a message of Nazi hate into space. <laughs> And then that ties in with real life because Franz Obramiet was believed to have uh, gone and died in Egypt in 1964. So it ties in with history. Was there um was there not a famous Nazi captain we could have worked into this? Well, I just want a list of Nazi captains and he was at the top of it. So uh, probably because it was alphabetical. I was going to say where where did you pluck this guy from? Like why how did this you can't even pronounce it? Like it's obviously it was not a something list of you knew Nazi about. Captains. And then it's really confusing because they obviously have different names, and I think German for captain is obst. Well, no, actually not German for captain, but na- Nazi for captain is um, Oberstrumfuhrer. I never thought our show would become this, but can we go out of our way to get Calvin to pronounce German words from now on? <laughs> <laughs> because I really enjoy it. Uh. Well, um, my my pitch also involves Nazis. Do you, want, do you want me to do mine or should we wait? No, oh, save it, save it. <laughs> okay, go on. I've got three mini ones because I couldn't come up with anything good. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, do you remember in The Winter Soldier when Black Widow is, like, riding into battle on a motorbike? Yes. And then she, like, crashes it on purpose and it goes flying into the bad guys? No. Uh, vaguely. All right, well, that's that's the genesis of this sequel because... That you pick up at the end of Civil War, Cap and the gang escaping from sea jail, and a big giant white gloved hand grabs them and scoops them up into the sky, and they're thrown on this big floating platform in space, and Black Widow sees someone silhouetted uh, stood in the distance, so she gets on a motorbike and rides it off over to them and does that move on them. But the the enemy jumps up in the air and spawns their own motorbike out of nowhere and does the exact same thing back at her, and she grabs the motorbike and throws it at him, so he eats it. And it's only Wario. Oh. And it's... Wow. And then Mario and Pikachu. Wow, and, that is a stretch to make that and relevant. Kirby and Samus and Fox are all having a civil war of their own because the subspace emissary has uh, ruined everything, and now the Avengers have shown up, and it gets even more complicated and nuanced. And then Sonic shows up, and that's that's the end of the trailer. <laughs> Oh, until you got to Sonic, we could have uh, tried to convince Mar- Alan that they were all um, like genuine Marvel characters. <laughs> um, all right, now I've got I've got Bap t- Bap hyphen Tin Britain Civil War. Bap Tin Britain. So he's got a he's got a red Bap in a little Civil War. A load of a load of British people get into a big fight over what you call spheres of bread. <laughs> whether metallic containers should be called tins or cans. <laughs> Calvin, you're is, from a similar area to me. What is it a balm? Is it a bread? It's a tea cake. A tea cake? Is it a cob? Is it, what is it? It's obviously no, a no, bread. No, no, it's a tea cake. Well, it's obviously a bread roll, but let's... Uh, no, no, it's a... Well, bread roll is the boring way of... Yeah, exactly. It's logical. But like I say, I think... I, I really feel we should just get rid of all these stupid... Like, cob, that's a fucking horse. So let's get rid of all these corn on the cob. Well, that too, yeah. But that's that's what. what... Oh, a horse is a cob. It's a type of it's a type of horse. 
Oh, like Shetland Pony. Yeah. I propose that we get rid of of all these these regional variants and just go with like bread spheres or something neutral. Is this your Captain America pitch? <laughs> yeah, we get rid of stupid words for bread. That's my pitch. <laughs> right. All right. <laughs> That's the best pitch we've <laughs> <laughs> um, and and last one. There's a guy in the 40s, and he's really unfunny, but he's desperate to become a successful stand-up comedian to lift the spirits during the war. Mm. And this guy, played by John Cleese, has (laughs) this experiment that he's doing, and he recruits this guy and puts him in a big machine. And when he comes out the other end, he's he's like all cockney and singing on a ukulele and stuff, and funny. And uh, the (laughs) film's called Captain America Idol. Oh, Christ. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> why don't you just say like Captain America and it's American guy with a tin cap on it why didn't you do that right now in your pitch okay my pitch is called Hauptmann Deutschland um, which roughly translated means Captain Germany yeah yeah. is this is this like going to be Captain America from the Nazi perspective uh, yeah that's Red Skull isn't kind of. it well no not exactly <laughs> But yeah, my premise is that instead of it being an all-American good old boy, it's a, a Nazi soldier who uh, it, it becomes the super soldier, but not like uh, Red Skull, like Captain America. And then he gets frozen in the Antarctic or whatever. So he's unfrozen 70 years later by the American government, and he's hailed as a wonder across the world, of course. But, you know, he's been brought up in the Nazi party with the Nazi party ideals. So he fits right in with the uh, US government. Oh, well, don't rush to my ending. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, you know, I definitely want this to be like a fish-out-of-water comedy. Uh, We want to play it for laughs. So just to give you an idea of where I'm going with this, um, I want this main character to be played by Will Ferrell, doing a shoddy German accent. Can I stop you? Um, Oh, yeah. There's a German film from... about three years ago, which I really like, called Look Who's Back. And Ooh. in it, Adolf Hitler uh, <laughs> finds himself falling through a sort of inexplainable time warp. And it turns out he didn't commit suicide in the bunker. He just kind of fell through time. And he wakes up in modern-day Germany. And he has, it's a fish-out-of-water comedy, but people don't take him seriously because what he's saying is so absurd, they kind of assume he's a comedian. <laughs> and he ends up becoming massively successful, and it becomes very weird and meta with a, a film being directed based on the book that he's written, which is the <laughs> book that the film itself was based on to begin with, and it's all very weird. Um, but basically, <laughs> it, it was a kind of Borat, Bruno-style thing as well. There's a whole lot of sequences oh. that were shot with real people where the actor playing Hitler was just going around being like... God, Jews are bad, aren't they? And then the people go, yeah, they are, actually. I agree. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds interesting, and it is very, very similar to what I proposed. (laughs) That is kind of my proposal, but taken a bit more seriously so you could actually do it. (laughs) Actually, like, so mine does a similar sort of idea. Well, I've got it as Will Ferrell, but not Will Ferrell as the body, but just the head and face digitally stitched onto, like, a bigger person. (laughs) who's just like a stuntman or something. Hmm. The, so the government, they decide they can use him as a weapon still, but they they have to they assign an agent especially to deal with him, played by Vince Vaughn, uh, who has to shepherd him around uh, from mission to mission and stop him getting into trouble. 
but you know, he's always up to stuff like so. Like, I was just letting Vince Vaughn go. <laughs> well, you know, well, yeah. it, gives, it gives you the impression of the type of film this is. Yeah, yeah. And so, like for example, they're at a restaurant, and uh, he sees like uh, a mixed race couple at another table, and like he can't hold himself back, and he starts yelling at them in a bad German accent about uh, racial, raci- racial purity and yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and. Uh, uh, or you know anything to do with Jews, you know any Jews he comes across, you can get get creative with that. And then like Vince Vaughn has to like try and pretend that it's his cousin from Austria who's got Tourette's. So it's like oh no, he doesn't mean it. Doesn't mean it you know, eventually all this behaviour brings him a lot of attention, and uh, we'll have some big scene where it's like revealed who he is, and so he becomes kind of a celebrity. Goes around all the talk shows, gets his own reality show called Hackman Deutschland Does America. Um, which sounds I think that happens very much like what you were ex- well. describing, to be honest. I yeah. think Hitler gets uh, a reality show at some point. And... That's it, yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's kind of like Bruno, I guess, is what I'm yeah, proposing. Yeah. So, yeah, similar sort of thing. And then I have uh, I have put, like, as an ending, is that, you know, you'd think this kind of old-fashioned mentality that he has, which, you know, could be described as racist perhaps um <laughs> the nazis were a bit racist weren't they is that controversial saying nazis were racist no um so anyway you'd think that old-fashioned mentality would hold him back but he's actually hailed by a large number of people for his plain speaking common sense approach in a pussified liberal world uh, and he mm. finds a, a large audience and becomes a centerpiece of a, a kind of backlash against this millennial liberal elite that are ruling Ooh. the world now, as we all know. Hmm. <laughs> and uh, so he runs for Senate. Uh, and despite the uh, extremely large amount of vitriol against him online, turns out just because you can shout the loudest doesn't actually mean your vote counts for anymore. And uh, the white male over 50s turn out in droves and he wins a landslide 51% victory. Hmm. Can you be Senate? <laughs> landslide. You, can you run for Senate if you're not American? I think so. You can't run for president. No. Maybe not. I don't know, actually. Uh, Schwarzenegger was a. Governor, wasn't he? Was that? Oh, that's a good yeah. point. Yeah. Have you ever read? Um, get is it? What's it called? Look who's back. It's a book where Hitler just <laughs> re- uh, wakes up in contemporary Berlin. Well, I've never heard of that. Oh, it's re- it's quite good actually. It's very funny. I have to loan you my copy. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. Now. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if this is like if, this is if Calvin's doing a joke or if he's just. What? What did I miss something? <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> oh god, was that a sincere anyway. comment then, Calvin, or were you sort of? What's to... happening? Well, I don't I... explain it. Don't explain it. <laughs> yeah, you'll hear it the on the uh, recording. <laughs> oh, okay then. Sorry. <laughs> anyway, so um, that is Captain America. Everyone, come back here next week for. Uh... Oh, it's Clockwork Orange. Oh, right, yeah. Yes, yes, well, we're going to be looking at one of Saul's very favourite films. I'll give give this one a little bit more than a seven. It's a high seven. Yeah, it is. 7.9. 7.7 is the purest seven. (laughs) (laughs) 